Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. No one really cared a whole lot to fund African swine fever research when it was in Africa. And now that in countries that are major pig producers, it's a, it's a big concern for everybody. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like Elanco's Prevacent, a new PERS Spective. Visit prevacent.us to learn more. NutriQuest. Experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just All, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Genesis. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high health registered purebred swine in the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Hello, everyone. Today, our guests are Dr. Douglas Gladu and Dr. Manuel Borca, both uh, from the USDA, and they will share the latest development with uh, African swine fever vaccines. Uh, how are you, Douglas and Manuel? Good. Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking the time today to chat with us and, and our audience about this uh, important subject. So uh, the first question we always have is uh, if you can share, each one of you can share, you know, about yourself, your career so far, and how we got involved with uh, swine research. Uh, well, I'm the older one, so I can start. Um, <laughs> um, I'm uh, actually, I have been working in uh, USDA um, First as a postdoc, then as an invited scientist, and now since 2001, I'm in a permanent position. And um, I have been working for with the main three viruses that uh, are working here in Plum Island, that is African sun fever, classical sun fever, and Fudama disease virus. And I have been particularly working with CSF, classical sun fever, and ASF, ASF African sun fever, in the last uh, 18 years, basically that's it. Very nice. For me, I, I got my PhD on Long Island and you know, I was looking for a postdoc, Plum Island was nearby and um, I started at Plum Island about 12 years ago and it's uh, became permanent position about five years ago and been looking a lot at uh, African swine fever and classical swine fever and looking at uh, virus host interactions and that's how we ended up in the direction of uh, looking at rational development for vaccines and how we ended up with our uh, vaccine candidate. Very nice. Very, very good. Thanks for that. And uh, so as we jump right into the, the topic here, um, you know, for the last several years, as, as we speak about ASF, 
What has been the challenge in getting an effective vaccine? I think uh, the problem with African Sanfir is that uh, um, there have not been many laboratories in the world, around the world, working on Africa sand fever. The, since the disease was uh, started in uh, Georgia, Republic of Georgia in 2007, and first to Russia, and then to West, to Eastern and Central Europe, and now more lately to China and Southeast Asia, I think that there are more and more people paying attention to this disease. Um, and I think uh, the, the research that has been done in African swine fever back in the 1990s uh, and mm, with the development of uh, recombinant viruses and the possibility of uh, um, investigating the role of the specific genes in the production of disease open a, a window in understanding why uh, or how the virus uh, causes the disease and how we can manipulate that in order to produce vaccines, viruses that are attenuated, but they, don't not, they do not produce disease anymore. And that was the key in order to start uh, the work that we have been doing uh, on Plum Island uh, since then, that is the development of uh, African swine fever vaccines that are life attenuated. And the reason probably is, as Besides that there were not too many people working on this, is that uh, this virus is large, it's very complicated, and uh, we do not know a lot of things that are important that to be known in order to produce a vaccine, like uh, well, what are the host immune response that are effective in eliminating or preventing the disease, or which part of the viruses are important in order to produce immunity. I think that's... Uh it sums up pretty good. I think the, the big thing that I always tell people is that no one really cared a whole lot to fund African swine fever research when it was in Africa. Mm -hmm. And now that Africa and it's um, in made countries that are major pig producers, it's a, it's a big concern for everybody. So it's getting a lot more uh, attention. Um, even if you look at the number of papers that have been published on African swine fever versus uh, human diseases or other animal diseases, the, there's a huge gap in knowledge. Um, and this gap is, is, is critical to, to learn, to understand, to be able to make effective vaccines and to be able to control disease. Right now, we don't know what proteins specifically are needed to have an immune response. And if you don't know that, you can't make a subunit vaccine. So, uh, we're kind of in the early stages of understanding this virus, even though it has been around for many years. Very interesting. Um, so I think you, you're you getting some very interesting uh, research uh, there right now. So what's, you know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? You know, what, what are the latest updates you guys can give us on, on a effective vaccine? We can really only talk about published material. Um, Whenever you license a product, uh, what's out there in the public domain is, is free game to talk about. And we can tell you that uh, we have uh, several live attenuated vaccine platforms that we've made um, over the past uh, 10 years or so. And these platforms are still in the experimental stage where they've been tested in laboratory conditions um, under defined uh, conditions with a small set of animals. Um, they're not 
they still need a lot of other testing to be able to be approved, to be able to be used in, in whatever country um, we're targeting. They're, they're at the very early stages of vaccine development. But with our most recent candidate, probably how you uh, came across us, is with I177L, we're seeing uh, a new gene that hadn't been discovered before, and this vaccine platform um, appears to have several advantages where it's offering uh, low-dose protection and there's no residual virulence. So if you give a real high dose, you don't see any symptoms in the animal, including any fever. And uh, also we, we seem to see a apparent uh, sterile immunity. So what that means is a vaccinated animal doesn't appear to replicate wild-type virus. And that's something that uh, is pretty uh, pretty good for a vaccine profile um, for safety-wise, because there's less of a chance for the vaccine virus to ever recombine with wild-type virus. Um, Another thing that we see is that we don't see vaccine virus shedding. So what that means is if we uh, put an animal that is not vaccinated and with our vaccinated group of animals, we don't see the vaccine spread to that unvaccinated animal. So the disease remains in the animals that were intentionally inoculated. So this is a profile we, um, we really like for a live attenuated vaccine. But, uh, but again, it's, it's in the early stages and there's it still needs to undergo um, larger testing and regulatory hurdles before we uh, can proceed further. Very interesting, yeah, and, and very exciting. Uh, for us that, uh, that don't really understand the whole process of developing a vaccine, could you step back a little bit and just generally speaking, you know, what, what are those processes? What's an average timeline or the range, you know? It doesn't have to be ASF specific, but just in general, just so we can wrap the wrap our heads around it. it it's that's not really an easy question to answer um for african swine fever uh people historically have made live attenuate vaccines by deleting specific genes in specific isolates but there's a lot of problems to, to doing it it's not an easy task to just delete a gene in a genome of asf and the reason why it's not easy or one of the reasons it's not easy is that so far, African swine fever can only grow in primary swine macrophages. So these cells have to be constantly isolated from uh, a donor animal, and they have to be uh, used within within a week. Wow. So every, it's not like other diseases where you have a stable cell line and you, you pass cells, you can do all the experiments you want. You're limited to the number of macrophages you have, and you're limited to the time frame for those macrophages. It's also making a recombinant live attenuate vaccine is to purify a recombinant virus from wild type. And this is also not an easy task because there's there's no quick way to do it. Things can take a, a long time. Um, sometimes you get lucky, but it can take over a year from concept to completion to delete a gene um, with a lot of work every week. So it, it's not an easy task to make a live attenuated vaccine. So that's kind of where we are. Um, the other aspect is is that African swine fever has at least 150 different genes, mm-hmm. and probably only about 10 of those have ever been really truly characterized for gene function. So the majority of the virus and the function of the genes and, and what happens during virus infection and pathogenesis is largely unknown. Wow. 
Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So, and and, and you and I chatted briefly before the the recording here that um, you know the overall timeline and, and timeline to to be able to produce in large scale as well as cost is not something that that you guys would would have an idea today, right? No, it, that's a complex question, and we get asked it a lot, and it's impossible for us to answer because commercializing a vaccine involves a commercial partner. It involves regulatory authorities. It varies from country to country. So timeline is just out in the open. When things get completed, they get completed. Very good. Well, uh, anything else on the ASF vaccine topic um, that you that you'd like to share with our audience? You know, there's a lot of veterinarians, nutritionists, production folks from around the globe, really, in the audience. Uh, anything else you'd like to share? No, I would say that um, probably just um, remark of some of the things that Doug said in terms of the difficulty of producing this kind of uh, vaccines. And maybe just to give you an idea, when you go through the literature um, that is um, published regarding the um, candidate, vaccine candidate that may pre produce protection against the acting strain of virus that is producing the episodic uh, in Eurasia right now, uh, there is no more than four or five mm. papers yeah. that uh, show that there is could be a candidate uh, vaccine. And uh, and if you go a little bit in depth and uh, uh, in the analysis of each of these four or five, maybe six at most papers, um, you 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 see that there most of the virus has some. Uh, problems in terms like uh, um, no complete level of attenuation or the need of using high doses of virus to produce protection. Uh, so that's why when uh, that was uh, um, talking about this uh, last candidate that we produced, the I177L, um, that has those characteristics that he described, that's why we are quite excited about that one. Uh, because apparently work at very low doses and is very immunogenic, uh, and the level of protection that is, is induced is very high. I, I think that um, there's there's not a lot of things out there right now in terms of uh, potential vaccine candidates that protect against the the against the, the, the virus that is producing the, the problems right now. One thing that we should probably mention is that immunity against one virus does not cross-protect against other African side fever isolate, and that is a very important issue. So in every time, or almost every time, uh, that you want to produce a vaccine against one particular isolate, a strain of virus, you need to produce a vaccine using that one. It's a big problem because you almost have that to produce an, a vaccine for each of the isolates that is out there. We do not understand so far what are the basis of the lack of crop protection among different isolates at this point. Okay. And um, so I guess one question I have is, um, you know, it sounds like it was very interesting findings. And um, based on your experience and your level of confidence on this one on gene that you guys described, just for my simple mind, is, uh, what could go wrong still? There are a lot of regulatory uh, um, experiments, assessments that had to be done with the vaccine. Uh, we, with a repeating uh, dark board, what we have is a very good result at the laboratory level. 
at, in an experimental system, and and from there to have something that um, we say this is a very good uh, stable vaccine. Mm-hmm. We had to go through several uh, experiments that will show, for example, uh, that there is a genetic stability in the mutations that we introduce, that the virus does not mutate further, that there is no reversion to virulence, um, that the virus will not recombine with any wild type virus uh, out there. So there are things that need to be tested, and and again, we are we would probably say that we are in the very beginning of the story right now. The truth is, precision swine production is not the future, it is the present. Every Pig is the intelligent pig health platform. It is a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Request a free 20-minute demonstration at www.everypig.co slash swineit. It is time to our famous three. Well, so then at the end here, um, one thing that, that I would like to uh, ask all, all the guests that we have in the podcast is, what is, uh, what's you guys' favorite pig-related book or resource? Uh, lately, I've been looking at uh, Pig Progress. That's been a pretty good uh, resource uh, in part because uh, they seem to be the most up-to-date for African swine fever outbreaks where they're uh, reporting pretty quickly and they keep maps uh, of all the outbreaks publicly available. So they've been a pretty good resource, uh, at least for me. I don't have any, actually. (laughs) I'm sure lots of scientific papers there, Dr. Uh, Borka. (laughs) Well. Very cool. How about uh, you guys' favorite book in general outside of pig production? I don't, I don't read a lot of books. I'm, I'm more focused on the scientific literature and uh, keeping up to date with uh, what's going on in the world for, for the diseases that we study. So I, I don't have a book in mind right now. And then what is actually a very difficult thing to do because there are many, many things coming every day. So most of the time you have to try to be updated on that and it, it takes most of the time. That makes sense. And then the last question we have is uh, what, in your guys' opinion, what do you think sets apart uh, successful swine researchers or professionals from those who are not? I think in our field of, of research, it's there isn't really a, a real gauge of success or non-success, uh, at least for people doing stuff like we're doing and looking at, you know, different host virus interactions or testing potential vaccines. I think that uh, a lot of the, there's a lot of luck factor and to say someone's successful or not is hard because there's no real measurable way, at least in my opinion, for that, that uh, I think for, for everyone, you, you get what you put into it a little bit and uh, hopefully you get out what, what you think you should be getting out for the work you're doing. But uh, at least in our field, there's not a whole lot known, so it's, it's an open book for, for learning new things about the virus. Interesting. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Any, any thoughts there, Dr. Borka? I will basically subscribe what uh, Doug said. You know, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of, uh, especially working in African swine fever, there are so many unknown questions that uh, uh, is sometimes you have to be a little bit lucky and 
you're trying to be systematic in the way that you work, uh, but uh, we this is a very complicated virus. It's a very difficult virus to be, work with. Mm -hmm. So uh, frustration sometimes is very frequent. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, great. Uh, appreciate you guys' time. I know you're very busy this time. You know, with this a lot of things going on ASF world. So. Appreciate, and uh, I have no doubts uh, everyone's going to be rooting for, for you guys there on the finishing developing that, this vaccine. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Hey, everyone. We just crossed 15,000 downloads of our episodes, and I wanted to say thank you. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks Web Conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we even gonna have some controversial topics of the global swine industry. So you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our waitlist. We'll talk soon.